Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Good afternoon, good afternoon. Welcome to America's Heroes Group on WVON 1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. I am Vietnam veteran host Cliff Kelly. America's Heroes Group is a live streaming podcast, global platform, radio, print, and digital media broadcast show that empowers change agents through intentionally disseminating information, resources, and referrals to empower our military population. Welcome to America's Heroes Group, a roundtable with our partner, the Jesse Brown VA, February's Black History and American Heart Month. Saturday, February 11, 2023 is today. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Clayman, the co-host, Army National Guard veteran. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith, and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Arnold Productions. So we have a panelist with us today. That is with Tanisha Finney. She's a licensed clinical social worker, mental health coordinator. She works acute patient, inpatient mental health, and she serves co-chair for the Jesse Brown For Black, for Black Lives. How are you guys doing today? Hi, I'm fine. Thank you very much. And yourself? Doing pretty good. So tell me about Jesse Brown for Black Lives. What is this all about? Yes, sir. I'm delighted to. Thank you. So Jesse Brown for Black Lives um, was birthed in 2020 following the brutal murder of George Floyd. And we saw many um, national and local movements um, being birthed as a result of that. Um, so Jesse Brown for Black Lives came into being um, kind of following the initiative. The name of it, the national initiative initially was White Coats for Black Lives. So it was a group of doctors who said, hey, there are some issues going on with health equity. Uh, so a group of doctors at Jesse Brown VA started it. There were other folks interested, and it expanded and took root. So it's a direct sanctioned uh, task force, and our goal is health equity and to improve the experience of both black veterans and black staff alike. So you see, we hear a lot about black lives, black lives matter, things like that around the country. Tell us some of the accomplishments that Jesse Brown's black lives has done or Jesse Brown for black lives has done. Yes. Yeah, so I am the co-chair, as you indicated, of the larger task force. I co-chair with Dr. Natasha Nichols, and I'm also the co-chair of the events and visibility uh, committee. There are a couple things that kind of propelled us into the, uh, the limelight, so to speak. So uh, the clinical, under the task force, there are four different committees operating. And um, the clinical committee has done some great work that received national attention. Um, one thing that made it into the media kind of, I guess, full speed ahead is the removal of the race-based calculation for the EGFR to measure kidney functioning. There's also work being done to make the test for pulmonary functioning um, neutral, uh, race neutral. And uh, there are efforts being made to reduce the stigma when it comes to opioid use. So we're very, very proud about that, making those medications more readily accessible. Um, and when it comes to the events and visibility committee, we've done a lot of awesome things. i just like to share with you about uh, what we did for Black History Month uh, last year and some of the events for Juneteenth. Um, so we believe that 
wealth just helps also. <laughs> so mm-hmm. my approach was to coach here. We really like the idea of making the events kind of, you know, large in the life, just a fun, great experience. And uh, we're taxed, of course, we're trying to shift the culture that's not the most comfortable talking about race issues. Uh, so we also pride ourselves in being able to open up safe spaces where people can dialogue and speak about that. And it went over really well. So we're looking forward to um, rolling that back out. So in April, we're going to start those uh, talking circles again. Um, last year, we had everything from an internationally acclaimed drummer to interactive drumming circles for our staff, a soul food sample, if you will. Um, we also um, had uh, T-shirts as a show of unity. People really, really love that. And we're looking forward to doing many, many um, more things. It was a real hoot. It was really nice to see everyone come together and celebrate black culture and get a little more comfortable talking about it. I wanted to get a little more specifics about some of the things you mentioned, because uh, some of the audience may not be familiar with. You talked about some of this on our show before, but you mentioned one of the accomplishments was looking at how race matters when you're being diagnosed with an illness, like, like for example, kidney disease, things like that. Explain about that, because a lot of people may not understand what what race has to do with how a doctor diagnoses you or treats you or tries to figure out what's wrong with you. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, of course, like I indicated, I'm a trained clinical social worker, so I'm going to do my best to speak from my uh, scope of practice, if you will. It is well documented that um, racism is embedded in healthcare as it is in many other um, aspects of uh, life. Uh, in our country, and um, it's something that's been known for quite some time. Even when you think about obesity and the way that that's crazy coined and how um, there are numerous articles that speak about uh, black, especially African-American women of color, um, not receiving the same attention or uh, the impression that perhaps we're hypochondriacs uh, and things mm-hmm. like that. So the reality is that some of the practices um, and ways of diagnosing do have some roots in racism. So our clinical committee is uh, staffed and versed in the literature, and they're making strides on changing those things. And you're right, a lot of people don't know about that. Uh, many are very alarmed to hear that um, there's racial uh, inequities in uh, healthcare practice. And I guess a lot of times this can lead to being misdiagnosed or even being overlooked. I remember when I went to my doctor one time, he told me that it's common for black people to have high blood pressure, so I shouldn't worry about it. <laughs> it was like, you know, my number's a little bit high, but, you know, eh, well, black people normally run higher, so, you know, you're probably okay, so, which is something that could, could, you know, be really serious down the road if it's not treated and looked at seriously because they might say, well, just because all black people or most black people have something, that's, a, that's kind of a generalization and stereotype to even make that kind of statement. You know, so, I mean, and also, yeah, one of the things you mentioned too as well is about the doing the events about health, or wealth is health as well. Um, go into that a little bit, because I know you have, a, I know you do some work with financial literacy and things like that, and financial empowerment. Speak to that a little bit, and how you know being being more sound uh, financially can help you improve your health care. Oh yeah, um, I think that being well, first uh, that kind of came about again because our approach is to pretty much be eclectic and to make sure that the events that we put on are driven by the members. Um, so that's kind of how we decide kind of what we're going to address, if you will. So um, for uh, and obviously Jesse Brown for Black Lives it was initiated on the premise of health equity. So we just put a spin on that the health is wealth. And uh, there are numerous studies that show the impact of, and 
even aside from the studies, many people, myself, I can say personally, have experience with just looking around. So it's the lived experience of knowing what you see around you and how uh, poverty can definitely impact one's ability to gain access to health care and other things that many of us see as just basic um, rights um, as a citizen uh, of this country. Something as basic as being able to get transportation to your medical appointment. If you don't have a proper diet, then maybe you're tired and you oversleep, sluggish, you have depression uh, that prevents you from coming in and making a health of the uh, medical appointments. So I can honestly say that I'm a big advocate for sure of telehealth because I think that that's really helped a lot of people. And I don't have any raw numbers to substantiate it, but I would imagine that it really, really helped um, uh, the black population when telehealth became available. Yeah, telehealth. I mean, I'm a big advocate for that. I mean, just my own personal life. I love, I mean, when the pandemic hit, being able to go to me, so many missed appointments I had with my cardiologist because of scheduling conflicts. You can't make it because you have this appointment or that appointment. Being able to get on to a Zoom call and talk to your doctor, because a lot of times they're not doing anything to you physically anyway. They're just going to talk most of the time. So being able to talk to see them and talk to them on a screen is really helpful and impactful, particularly for people who live in rural areas, I can imagine as well. You know, so when you started, how did you get involved with the Jesse Brown VA? and What motivated you to get involved with Four Black Lives? Yes. So um, my father is a veteran. Uh, My brother is also uh, a Marine. And uh, um, I'll say I got into the VA mainly because I came by way of my internship. So I actually started at the Vet Center. I'm not sure if you know about Vet Center programming, but they are exclusively tasked with providing psychotherapy uh, to veterans who are impacted by trauma, combat trauma, and sexual trauma. And I was not surprised at all, also from lived experience um, and seeing uh, trauma is one of those things that is really insidious, like it really does creep into so many uh, areas of a person's life. And even when I was younger, my mother, uh, when I was in elementary school, the phone used to ring a lot for me. Wow. <laughs> and um, it would be my friends calling all the time with problems. And even if it was someone who wasn't my friend, man, they would say, hey, like, they would just kind of tap and say, well, call, you know, call to me. She kind of see what she thinks. I have no idea how that started. So at an early age, my mother used to always introduce me like, this is my baby, Tanisha. She's the counselor of the family. Wow. <laughs> so I think that I was just kind of born that way. Um, and, um, even when I was at the vet center, like I really do have a knack and interest sincerely and genuinely for making people smile and, uh, providing a great experience. So even for holidays and stuff, I'm not really a big gift giver. The gift is going to be an experience because people never forget like a good experience that makes them feel well. So that's, uh, that was my approach as a clinician, as silly as, uh, to do things that are kind of eclectic. Um, yeah, not so monotone or vanilla, so to speak. So um, I think Jesse Brown for Black Lives presented an awesome opportunity for me personally uh, because racial trauma and especially broad-scale racial trauma and other things, um, it it would give an opportunity to not just kind of sit in the corner and not do anything about it, but to be active, bring my clinical skills as well as um, my... I'm going to call it a gift. I think it's a gift, and I'm going to go religious on you. I thank God for that gift to be able to kind of strategize things quickly and bring in lots of people to make it happen. So I really like being a Jesse Brown VA because um, 
um, lots of things that you do requires buy-in. I can't just bring like my own projector and sound system. So you have to work with engineering. You have to work with EMS. If it's about food, you work with food and nutrition services. You work with public affairs. Like everything that you do has like a lot of hands in it. So I really appreciate um, being able to kind of, you know, work with such a dynamic team that strategizes that. And more importantly, to give everyone else the opportunity to highlight their strengths and build and grow. So I love just providing a playground where people can develop and have a good time. Super work, super worthy cause. So you mentioned a couple of things, and, that's, and, that, and I think a lot of people don't think about this because you mentioned that, that racial trauma. And then in the military, we all are familiar with PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress syndrome. So trauma, and it seemed I always there was interesting how the how the military has kind of brought trauma to the forefront across the conversation of American culture because we didn't before we didn't really talk about trauma in the black community, some of the or even trauma in, in any low to moderate income community where you see the stresses of what low economics brings to a community because when you have when you see gun violence when you see some of the serious things that happen to people that is traumatic. And how do you separate that between what happened? Well, let me ask you this. How does it overlap what you, when you talk about someone who suffers from military sexual trauma because you have experience in doing that, a person who has PTSD versus a person who has racial trauma? What are the overlaps? And explain to us first what trauma really means because a lot of people don't, don't think, really understand what that definition truly is. I think you're right. I think it's one of those terms that I now loosely use, just like in one point, someone has a little bit of an attitudinal disposition. Oh, they have bipolar, right? Like very mm-hmm. loosely used. Um, but I think in, 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 in summary or briefly, like uh, trauma is defined as an experience. So that's first off, it's an experience that threatens or it's a perception of threat for the individual on their life or their physical integrity. And if not their very own, then that witnessing uh, someone else going through that is absolutely fits the definition of trauma, too. So it's the threat of as well as the perception of. Because if someone is going to bring great harm to me, um, and they're like this close from doing that thing to me, and maybe they were just playing, but it doesn't matter if they were just playing. In my mind, my physical integrity and my life was on the line, so the impact is going to be the same. In terms of the overlap, because definitely sometimes we live, sometimes our society, probably more often than not, really gets into a, a deal of kind of um, comparing traumas. Oh, well, you know, that person can't be doing as bad as this person, right? Because they went through X, Y, and Z, and they just went through A and B. Uh, it's really the way that trauma plays out is really going to be contingent on all of the factors that the person brought to the table, right, over their entire life experience prior uh, to the traumatic event happening. But regardless of the source of trauma, um, the similarities you'll see is that it's going to impact a couple key areas, with the biggest being safety, uh, trust, power, control, intimacy, and self-esteem. So generally those are areas that you will see impacted regardless of the, the trauma. And it's not just like you know, my self-esteem about myself, also the esteem, the esteem in which I would be able to hold another person, mm. not just concerned about my own safety, but the safety of others as well. Wow. Uh, so it's a me and other uh, type of dynamic, and both of those things would, you know, get addressed in the therapeutic traumatic uh, intervention. That's the best definition I've, I've heard so far about about trauma, 
that was clear and really kind of makes it more um, resonate with me now because I can understand, I can relate it now when somebody has PTSD and why they behave the way they behave. The fact that you said, mentioned their esteem for themselves and other people that's been um, affected or diminished in some capacity. The fact that it's an event, not an, or an, ex, or an, experience, an experience, not an event. In my mind, it was more like an event, like you rode over an IED and then boom, something happened and, you know, it affected you biochemistry-wise or something happened to you, an event did happen. But it's really more about the experience and how you interpret that experience particularly when it comes to your safety and your well-being. That is something that, I'd re- is that I think a lot of people don't really realize. Now you can see how trauma can, does not can just be isolated to the military, but also carries over to Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, being a, a sexual trauma or racial trauma, things like that, things that happen every day in everyday life, just particularly if it's ongoing. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. That's another key factor, right? Because um, in the black community, lots of people have trauma, before the military, during the military, after the military. You're right. So when you start talking about the cumulative uh, impact of trauma, is really, really uh, sad. Now, not everyone who goes through trauma, of course, develops PTSD, which kind of brings me to my point of um, why you really can't compare, like, two people uh, and their experience. I've definitely worked with veterans who had a traumatic event and have maybe two of those um areas of their lives impacted but it's severely impacted Mm. where another person may meet and now i'm talking diagnostic criteria may meet every single um you know item the full criteria for ptsd but they're functioning better than a person who does not uh, because it's about impact the duration the frequency of the the attacks and so on and so forth so how does Jesse Brown for Lives and programs you work with at the Jesse Brown VA, how do they address this and, and, and ameliorate this in some kind of way to make lives easier for people that suffer trauma? Uh, so trauma specific, you know, Jesse uh, Brown has a huge um, uh, clinic. We specifically have a PTSD clinic. And I'll say embedded in that PTSD clinic, it's actually a race-based um, trauma group that I hear lots of great things about, and actually the facilitator is a member of Jesse Brown for Black Lives. And when it comes in general to understanding the black experience, which again, Jesse Brown for Black Lives is very excited about and enthused about, it's really something healing, cathartic, and therapeutic, we hope, when we see people stepping up um, and being bold and saying, hey, like this is the black community, this is these are our thoughts. These are our contributions. Let's celebrate ourselves. Um, because in my experience, I'm only speaking for myself, I haven't uh, been in many, outside of like, you know, the typical like black history celebration and things like that. Even on television, I just don't see blackness being celebrated. Mm-hmm. So I will hope that it's therapeutic and healing to the soul for uh, uh, black onlookers, veterans and staff alike who are able to see, wow, like, does that say Jesse Brown for Black Lives? Like, what's that about? You know, so I, I really commend and I'm excited. The director, AMET, fully supports Jesse Brown for Black Lives. And um, we call ourselves a task force. It's just like inside joke that, oh, well, committees don't get things done. The task force do. So, <laughs> yeah, very excited that we are supported uh, by our leadership. Now, the last thing I want to ask you, we have about two minutes left. There are about, about 10 seconds left, really. Sunday, February 19th, you're doing an event. Tell us, tell us about that. You're going to host an event on Sunday, February 19th. Where is it going to be and what is it? All right. So I've been working at the VA since 2006 as an intern. Never in my life have I heard of National 
Veterans, Patients, National Salute to Veterans Patients Week. Never heard of it. Um, Monetary Services is partnering with us, and we are having a free event for veterans and their plus ones or plus twos, free skating, free bowling, and we're going to roll out all of the successes that we've had at Jesse Brown to promote health equity. So that'll be an opportunity to hear of the great story for the update on what we're doing to enhance the lives of veterans. I appreciate your time. You gave us a lot of information. I wish we could continue more and talk about more about this. you got to come back on our show and give us more details, more information, because this is great information. And we just kind of scratched the surface based on what you were talking about. So we have a panelist today. That's Tanisha Finney. She is a licensed clinical social worker, mental health coordinator, and she works acute inpatient mental health, and she serves as co-chair for the Judge Brown for Black Lives. This is America's Heroes Group. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.